0: Breathe in, one, two, three, now out, one, two, three, four, excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mystery Brazilian Cat by Sir Arthur Colin Doyle Read by Perry F. Bruns It is hard luck on a young fellow to have expensive tastes, great expectations, aristocratic connections, but no actual money in his pocket, and no profession by which he may earn any. The fact was that my father, a good, sanguine, easy-going man, had such confidence in the wealth and benevolence of his bachelor elder brother, Lord Southerton, that he took it for granted that I, his only son, would never be called upon to earn a living for myself. He imagined that if there were not a vacancy for me on the great Southerton estates, at least there would be found some post in that diplomatic service, which still remains the special preserve of our privileged classes." He died too early to realize how false his calculations had been. Neither my uncle nor the state took the slightest notice of me or showed any interest in my career. An occasional brace of pheasants or basket of hares was all that ever reached me to remind me that I was heir to Otwell House and one of the richest estates in the country. In the meantime, I found myself a bachelor and man about town, living in a suite of apartments in Grosvenor mansions, with no occupation save that of pigeon-shooting and polo-playing at Hurlingham. Month by month I realized that it was more and more difficult to get the brokers to renew my bills or to cash any further post-obits upon an unentailed property. Ruin they right across my path, and every day I saw it clearer, nearer, and more absolutely unavoidable. What made me feel my own poverty the more was that, apart from the great wealth of Lord Southerton, all my other relations were fairly well to do. The nearest of these was Everard King, my father's nephew and my own first cousin, who had spent an adventurous life in Brazil and had now returned to this country to settle down on his fortune. We never knew how he made his money, but he appeared to have plenty of it, for he bought the estate of Greylands near Clipton-on-the-Marsh, in Suffolk. For the first year of his residence in England, he took no more notice of me than my miserly uncle. But at last, one summer morning, to my very great relief and joy, I received a letter asking me to come down that very day and spend a short visit at Graylands Court. I was expecting a rather long visit to bankruptcy court at the time, and this interruption seemed almost providential. If I could only get on terms with this unknown relative of mine, I might pull through yet. For the family credit, he could not let me go entirely to the wall. I ordered my valet to pack my valise, and I set off the same evening for Clipton-on-the-Marsh. After changing at Ipswich, a little local train deposited me at a small deserted station lying amidst a rolling grassy country with a sluggish and winding river curving in and out amidst the valleys, between high-silted banks which showed that we were within reach of the tide. No carriage was awaiting me. I found afterwards that my telegram had been delayed, so I hired a dog-cart at the local inn. The driver, an excellent fellow, was full of my relative's praises, and I learned from him that Mr. Everard King was already a name to conjure with in that part of the county. He had entertained the local schoolchildren. He had thrown his grounds open to visitors. He had subscribed to charities. In short, his benevolence had been so universal that my driver could only account for it, on the supposition that he had parliamentary ambitions. My attention was drawn away from my driver's panegyric by the appearance of a very beautiful bird which settled on a telegraph post beside the road. At first I thought that it was a jay, but it was larger— with a brighter plumage. The driver accounted for its presence at once by saying that it belonged to the very man whom we were about to visit. It seems that the acclimatization of foreign creatures was one of his hobbies, and that he had brought with him from Brazil a number of birds and beasts which he was endeavoring to rear in England. When once we had passed the gates of Grayland's Park we had ample evidence of this taste of his. Some small spotted deer— a curious wild pig known, I believe, as a peccary, a gorgeously feathered oriole, some sort of armadillo, and a singular lumbering in-toed beast like a very fat badger, were among the creatures which I observed as we drove along the winding avenue. Mr. Everard King, my unknown cousin, standing in person upon the steps of his house, for he had seen us in the distance, and guess that it was I. Thank you, detectives, for listening to tonight's Calm Mystery by the Murder Mystery Company. I'm Perry F. Bruns. Would you like to show somebody you care? Is there a mystery fan in your life? Couldn't they use a quiet moment in a great story? I'm doing personal stories of 20 minutes or less, Something personal like this can make a friend or family member feel truly loved in an otherwise dark time. They're only $49, and you can email me at calmmystery, that C-A-L-M, mystery, at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay tuned for more tales to tingle and terrify while giving you a needed break from the outside world.